Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. Seems to me, girl, you know I've done all I can. You see a big stone and I bought one. Yeah. That's why I'm easy. Sunday morning. Easy like Sunday morning. Edition of the Dan Jacobs Show. Good morning. Welcome in. Very excited to see you this morning. We got a special, uh, we got the big wigs here. Remember the Dixie chick from back in the day with Irvin Joe? Now she's a big boss lady now. She's the chief engineer around here. Big executive type, but she's in here doing executive or chief engineer type stuff back there. She was at the big concert last night, but uh, good to see Dixie back there. Uh, great, uh, great time out at <laughs> Garbage Man Dan. Yeah, that's my new nickname, Matt Smith, on the text line already. Um, yep, good to see you out there, Texter. Yeah, that's what Matt Smith calls me, the Garbage Man. That's my good buddy, Matt, coming up with uh, new nicknames for me. Thanks, Matt. Love you. <laughs> Matt Smith. Uh, Matt Smith and Kyle Reese um, hosting the show right up leading up to us. Um, check out the podcast on that one. Uh, I had a great time yesterday out at the DenverSports.com zone out at uh, Centura, the uh, Centura Training Center, Broncos Training Camp. Of course, they're off today, but uh, had a couple – Great day, a few great days out there, three in a row out there, taking in the Broncos festivities. We're going to talk a lot about that um, today. We'll get you ready for that again tomorrow, the festivities tomorrow. We'll be out there every day that the Broncos are out there. So if you want, uh, go ahead and stop by and see us. It's actually a pretty cool setup we have out there. we got some cornhole. we got some Papa Shot. We have this really cool, nice truck. It's a... Ford F-150 Lightning, E-Lightning, is that what you call it? E-Lightning? Because uh, it's electric, but man, that, that's a nice rig. I got to sit in it yesterday. It was kind of nice. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, but then, yeah, you get it. You know, if you bring your stuff, a lot of people, what a lot of people are doing is they have those little white footballs that you can come by and um, get autographed, um, you know, by, you know, Mark Schlereth or Stokely or Chad or Orlando, Nate, whatever, you know, whoever your favorite uh, former player is that we have here on the station. You stop by, and they're usually pretty, uh, you know, kind, and they'll they'll autograph those things for you. So um, there you go. So that was fun being out there yesterday. We'll talk about uh, what happened out there yesterday. What I'll talk about. What uh, I have some thoughts to share. I didn't get a chance to really unpack. You know, I had a good experience out there on Thursday. I took in practice things like that. We had so many guests on yesterday. I didn't get real deep into kind of what my experience. Um, out there. Um, so I'm going to unpack a couple stories from that on Thursday as the show moves along. We do have, because we'll get to these comments here in just a minute, we have uh, uh, Frank Clark. Did he, by the way, did he just become everybody's favorite Bronco, right, with his comments yesterday, just because of the realness of it? Um, so Frank Clark, the former Kansas City Chief, now Denver Bronco, had some interesting comments on the Broncos Chiefs rivalry. So we'll talk about that. Um, and we'll also visit with our good friend, Seren Petro, he's kind of the top dog in the for the uh, 
top sports station in Kansas City. So we'll catch up with him as the Chiefs uh, have their training camp going on. And so we'll talk to him about uh, the Bron- the Broncos-Chiefs rivalry. But that's one of the things I want to get into you as we go um, throughout the day. You know the show. You know the deal. The show is better when you're involved, right? As long as you bring your A game, you bring your good stuff, then... I want you. I'm going to make you famous, right? So we're you, a rising tide lifts all boats, so to speak. That's our philosophy here on the Dan Jacobs Show. So I open it up to you. I, I'm kind of more than any other host on the station willing to invite you as the listeners. If you again bring your good stuff, something funny, something clever, something insightful, I'll make you famous. I'll read your stuff right here on these very airwaves. You can do that a couple ways. Of course, you can do that on the uh, fabulous. Is it still the Twitter machine? I always call it the fabulous Twitter machine, but is it the X machine? You know, they changed the thing to X. Um, <clears throat> so the Zeets, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is now, you can do that. You can find me on there at Dan T. Jacobs Law. That's at Dan T. Jacobs Law. And um, you can follow me there. You can tweet at me, follow me, tweet at me. And if it's good, we'll read your stuff on the airwaves. Or, of course, the RamosLaw.com text line is always open, 303-713-1043, This one says, Jacob's always keeping it real, taking out the trash. That's from Ryan in Denver. Yes, having some fun with um, Matt Smith. Um, this one says, Dan, going to grill up some tomahawk steaks. Do you have a dry rub recipe? Have a nice day. Um, for steaks, here's what I do. And I got this, and this is perfect every single time. It's very, very simple. But I actually learned this at an old Irvin Joe remote. We used to do these things. Um, I thought this place was called Home and Hearth. Actually, Dixie's here. She might remember this. We did this series every, it was like once a week. <clears throat> this guy, it was 15 years ago. But there was a... A company that sold high-end grills, I think it was over off Evans by DU. I want to say it was called Home and Hearth. I don't think they're in, now, I don't know if they're in business anymore. But they would have us out. One year they had us out, I, I want to say every Friday. And this was more of a high-end grill place. But they would have a chef from a nice, you know, some big, you know, fancy restaurant come out and cook for Irvin Joe every Friday. And there was a guy that came out from this place uh, and downtown, um, and I don't remember the name of the place. I'm sure it's does you know it's not in business anymore because you know that's kind of you know these steakhouses in general have a life cycle, you know life cycle right like these independent ones you know they come out and they get popular and then they kind of you know get unpopular and then they go out of business and you know unless it's like you know a chain like Chop House or Ruth's Chris or whatever you know most of those steakhouses they kind of go out of business eventually but so I don't know who this place was but this this was a high end chef. And he says, this is what I do in the restaurant, and, the, and it works every time. And I found this to be true as well. So all you do for these steaks, um, it's olive oil, garlic powder, and Lowry's seasoned salt. So you, you coat it in olive oil, sprinkle a little bit of garlic powder, a little bit of Lowry's seasoned salt, muddy every single time. So that's what I do with my um, steaks Especially the nice steaks. Now, if I have like a like a sirloin, uh, maybe every once in a while I'll do this with the flat iron, but not usually. But like a sirloin or a chuck steak or something, you know, maybe not a quite as high end of a steak. 
or I can do this with chicken or you know, maybe a pork chop or something. There is a marinade that I really like um, called Allegro. It comes in a bottle, and it's a real dark marinade, and you do that overnight or you know at least for you know, a good four to eight hours. That stuff is delicious as well. That's my favorite uh, go-to marinade. That stuff is fantastic. Every once in a while, I'll do that on a ribeye. You know, the thing is, a ribeye is an expensive cut of meat, and it's already pretty flavorful. But I'll even do the Allegro marinade on um, on a ribeye. And, you know, depending on how I was, I'm, you know, I might do it on a tomahawk. You know, I don't do a lot of tomahawks. Tomahawk steaks are, I mean, they're so, so thick. I mean, they're a great presentation. Um. And that's kind of the way that works. All right, here we go. Dan, this is Sports Talk Radio. Talk about the Broncos. Is this how you represent your clients by staying off topic? You, sir, are out of order, texter. This is the Dan Jacobs Show. This is where we talk about such things. If the listeners want to talk about how to grill up a tomahawk steak, gosh darn it, we're going to talk about it. Because we talk about things in life, about how to uh, grill meats and how to barbecue meats, how to, you know, prepare your grills. And um, by the way, I'm going to talk about other things in life as well. Like, I'm going to the county fair today. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about fair eats. We talk about food. We talk about other ways to enrich our lives on the Dan Jacobs Show. If all you want to talk about is the Broncos and the and by the way, I'm going to talk about the training camp practice. I'm going to talk about that and what I witnessed out there. And, and we're, we're we're going to talk about that more than any other station in town. And if that's all your life is about, great. This is a station for you. But we go a little deeper on the Dan Jacobs show. And I'm just going to be honest with you. And I and most of our listeners on this show, which is Denver's fastest growing sports talk show over the last uh, five years, um, this show. That's what we do. We do things a little bit differently. I hope you join us on that journey because it's not your your standard, normal kettle of fish, just regular Broncos, 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 Broncos sports talk show. We go deeper. We have a more wide interest of taste. Um, and I and I hope you like it, Texture. I hope you get on board with this. But, but we're going to do it. That's what we do here on the Dan Jacobs show. <laughs> okay. T- I like this one. Okay, Texter, what are the Broncos' favorite cuts of meat for barbecue? (laughs) Uh, Another one. Go get them, Dan. Hold them in contempt. Yes, Texter, I hold you in contempt. Contempt of talk show for texting in that we can only talk about the Denver Broncos training camp uh, because this is where they come. I was actually filling in on the drive. I don't know, three weeks ago, I think it was, right after the 4th of July, the week after the 4th of July, and DMAC asked me nothing about barbecue or grilling meats or anything. And finally, a couple of texters were like, you know, Jacobs, come on, man. We need to talk about some of this stuff. And, you know, because DMAC just doesn't talk about that. DMAC, DMAC doesn't know his way around the grill. DMAC doesn't know his way around the kitchen. He just shows up and eats. You know, if he comes to your barbecue, we talked about what do you, you know, which host, which talent would you like at your barbecue? Like, for example, Zach Bai's like, I don't want anybody at my barbecue because I want to be the star of my barbecue. I don't want to be upstaged at my barbecue. So, for example, Dan, I don't want you at my barbecue because you're going to roll up probably with your own grill and want to challenge me to a grill off. I don't need that. 
okay? I want my my ribs to be the center of attention here, man. I want to be the focus. I don't need you showing up with your own grill, right? So he don't want me there. And he, you know, so, so not invited, right? <clears throat> DMAC, for example, he's going to show up and he's going to have some sterling conversation. He's not going to know what to do with the grill. Dan, I think you should spend the entire Easy Like Sunday Morning edition of the show talking about anything but sports. Make it a troll job, Will, in Fort Collins. Trust me, I could do it. I absolutely could do it. You know, I the show I had before this, it was called The Final Verdict, right? And I had a partner. His name was Reno Notaro. Every once in a while, I have him come on this show. And it was on a different station, and there were different rules on that station. And I got to tell you, it was probably about 60, 60% sports, maybe 50-50. Because I would talk about it, you know, I'd talk about court that day. You know, if we had jury selection that day, I'd talk about that. I'd say, yeah, you know what the judge did today? I'd say, I had a judge. The, the, the juror is related to the cop that's testifying, and the judge said it was okay. And we would talk about that. Or we talk about how my father-in-law, for example, still to this day cuts his hair with a Floby, and how that blew my mind. We would talk about such things on that show. And we might go an entire show with talking very little sports. But we're not going to do that today. Generally how it works is we talk about the first segment. We kind of talk about things that are on my mind, things that... Uh, Maybe, you know, bugging me. You know, for example, now I've, I've kind of talked about this text or the entire segment. But one of the things I was going to talk about was this, the, my neighbor. I have a, a story with my neighbor. I was thinking about putting a for sale sign in her yard for her because she clearly needs to move. I was going to tell that story in the first segment. Now I didn't get to it because now we have to get the next segment. I have to go to break here. Probably going to tell you about... Deer Trail Meat Co. And my delicious meats that I might grill up tonight. I was going to talk about which greets. You know, my, I have some company coming over. And uh, should I go this way or that way? But I, I had to, you know, spend this entire segment now talking to the texture about what we do on this show. And why this is the best dang show on the station. So we will get into such topics later in the show. But coming up next, I want to talk to Seren Petro uh I wouldn't call him the DMAC of Kansas City because he's probably, you know, I love you, DMAC. He's probably a little less incendiary. He's probably a little well-mannered, I guess, I would say, than DMAC, even though I love you, DMAC. Uh, but he's, you know, he's kind of like that. He's, he's the top, like DMAC's kind of the top, uh, is the top afternoon drive uh, host here. Seren Petro for WHB, um, the top station there. He's the afternoon drive host there. Um, you know, he's on this program quite a bit. We're going to visit with him coming up next. Taking a break from laying down the law in the courtroom to lay down the law in the sports world. Here's Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. All right. Momentarily, we will have Soren Petro. You'll like this text, actually, because I believe. He's Greek. I mean, that sounds like a very Greek name. This one says, uh, one of my favorite local steakhouses is Steakhouse 10. Have you been there? That's from Chris in Denver. And I said, well, I have not. I actually don't get out to a lot of steakhouses. And he says, it's run by a Greek family. Run by a Greek family. Really good. 
Uh, so, Soren Petro, are you Greek? Uh, yeah, I mean, supposedly there's like some Greek going across the Hungarian border, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, we're, we're we're all some kind of mud, aren't we? Yes, exactly. I ain't know what I am anymore. Um, well, I tell you what happened. First segment, I got distracted by a texture. Now I know that never has that's never happened to you, has it? No. Yeah, ultimate he, pro here. Yes, he texted in. He's like, Dan, <laughs> you got to talk Broncos. You're you're off topic. You know, somebody. You know, because. Um, you know, I used to own the barbecue company after going to law school in, Can- you know, Latha, you know, or while I went, you know, in, yep. in Kansas. Yep. You know. And um, and so somebody was asking me how to prepare a tomahawk steak, and he says, Dan, you have to talk Broncos. And so I had to, you know, lecture this person a little bit, explain to them, you know, how we do business here on the show. And so I didn't get to uh, something I, I wanted to uh, talk about for a segment, so I, but I thought, well, let me ask uh, Sir and Petro about this. He's a, he's a man of the world. He's a lot older and a lot wiser than me. Uh, I guess I'll ask you this, uh, Mr. Petro. Now, you're on the Facebook, are you not? The, the social- I, I, I have a Facebook page. Um, mostly, like, I think I do some work stuff with it. Right. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on there, I guess, technically, yes. So you see the 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 Twitter the the you know the doorbell cams you know people post their ring you know and yeah. videos, so we we have our neighborhood page, and a lady posts this thing and it's it's a dog you know people a lady walking her dog, and so my neighbor says, listen we have way too much open space around here, to uh, have anybody going to you know the bathroom in my yard, and so I thought well okay here's what happened you know somebody let their dog poo in the yard and left it, and that's a big no-no, and I'm against that, right? Um, right. But that's not what happened. Like, you're watching the video, and this dog is walking by at a leash, and maybe a second or two, it, it, it just lifts its leg momentarily and, and goes along, right? Like, I'm like, okay, uh, I can see everybody's going to have a lot of fun with this. But I got to be honest, my first inclination was just to go ahead and help this lady out and to put a for sale sign in her yard for her. Would that have been the right thing to do? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I think it's creative. I think it's witty, and I think it makes the point. Yes, I think that's exactly where you go. For sale sign works. Yeah, yeah. I got to be honest. Um, only because I am uh, a presiding municipal judge, that probably saves because I can't post things and I you know can't actually put us for it saves right. me probably a lot of heartache in the long run because I have to, <laughs> I have, to have some decorum. You're a man of the community, right? Yeah. There, there are certain standards. Well, yeah, you're there's a, a pillar there's in the a, community like yourself. There's a judicial code I actually have to follow on certain things, so I'm actually you have to you know re- restrain myself. Otherwise, I'm oh, only 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 slightly stricter than the uh, the code that comes with being a, a sports talk show host. Oh yeah, yeah, just barely. Um, by the way, I was taking a look because every once in a while you and I um, talk about the Royals. Although I am surprised on this, so the Rockies having one of their worst seasons ever. Um, are just killing it attendance wise, man. Like they are, they just overtook the Red Sox again in attendance. Um, but I did look at the Royals and know they're not doing that well. But when I lived there, um, and you know, I've talked to you about this, like I was surprised the first time I listened to your show, you were dissecting like the Johnny Damon draft, like I don't know how many years later. Like you guys are passionate about the Royals out there, but like, are you guys pro because? Right now, we're having this conversation about, like, people are finally trying to say, dude, you can't support this bad product. we got to protest, even though I don't think that's going to work now because um, 
the 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 government gave the the Rockies this windfall of um, they gave them basically a, a, I don't know if you're aware of this Saran, but they gave them a, them an entire city block right next to the stadium, which they've now developed. The the owners of the Rockies have developed, mm-hmm. and now they're independently wealthy. So I don't I don't think you're going to be able to boycott them out of anything. Um, but so. That that ship has sailed, but that's the conversation we're having here. Is that what's going on in Kansas City? Because they are way low in attendance. Yes. So, you know, they the Royals still get very good television ratings, but no, nobody will go out to the ballpark. And we have new ownership that took over, I think, in 2019. Uh, obviously, that was a tough time to take over. You start with a global pandemic, and then you uh, follow that up with a labor stoppage that, uh, you know, cost us spring training and, and everything that was going on there, um, you know, and changing, reshuffling the minor league system and everything. It, it's been a tough go for John Sherman and his group, uh, certainly to, to start as a as an owner, and he was previously a minority owner of the, of the Cleveland Guardians uh, back in the day. So he had been around. That's pretty much how you got to you, you have to you know put your training wheels on as a minority owner in the league first before they let you own. Uh, it let you into the club as a full fledged uh, member. But you know here what's going on is the the lease is up in 2031 at the. Sports complex. So we've got both teams uh, that are going to need new homes or are going to need something done. The Chiefs have talked about renovating Arrowhead again. Uh, they've talked about building new at that site or looking at a new site. The Royals uh, came, you know, came out first. I think largely came out first, and the Chiefs are are being a good partner to them by letting them go first because I think everyone knows whatever the Chiefs ask for, it's going to be a pretty easy give, right? They've got Patrick Mahomes, they're winning championships. That's going to be a popular vote. Yes, let's give the Chiefs whatever they want. The Royals are going to be a tougher set. And so they've been on it now for about two, three years discussing where they're going to go. And they've made it clear that they're going to leave. And they want exactly that. It's what I've told people here in town. They want a an entire, you know, um, area where they're going to have what they call a ballpark district because it can't be a ballpark village because that's what they have in St. Louis. And nothing can be called the same thing as what it is oh, in no, St. Louis. No, no, no. But they want a, a ballpark district. And they're talking about a price tag of $2 billion with which I, I love this part. One billion uh, towards the district. That would be buildings and you know all the you know supposedly mixed use uh, living and mm-hmm. and shops and what have you. That billion would be privately funded. The stadium would be another billion, and that would be that would be what do they how do they put it largely or they made it sound like most of that would be privately funded as well. I'll call it four to six hundred million. They're going to ask publicly, to which I said I don't care where you put it. If the cost is two billion dollars, and the and the the municipalities are going to give you five hundred million, you you can push the numbers into whatever column you want in the spreadsheet. The bottom line is you're giving five hundred million dollars for a stadium and double basically to to make you a real estate mogul in town. So yes, this is the cost of doing business. Certainly, it's the cost of doing business in small markets, right? Maybe California can tell them no, as the Giants were privately funded completely when they built their stadium. The A's didn't get it, but California still said no. But in a state like, you know, Missouri, you're going to have to pay and pay a lot if you want to keep it. The, the, The problem here is the lease has been tied dollar for dollar, right? So any dollar the Chiefs got, the Royals had to get, and vice versa. When in reality, the, the Chiefs are going to ask for more like the Tennessee Titans, and the going rate in the NFL is $1.5 billion down in Tennessee is public, and $500 million is private. And that's what's coming on the back end of whatever they do with the Royals. Wouldn't it make – well, I understand, and I'm just going off the top of my head here, although I know 
It's, it seems like I know that the owners, the separate ownerships, would all like to capitalize and have their own districts. But I don't know. Having lived there, I don't know that um, that that would be supported. Um, you know, the, the the community would retail districts and all that would be. There's enough financial wherewithal that both the chiefs and the royals could have their own. Seems like it would make sense for them to go in together, have separate stadiums, um, but kind of go in together on the village and see if they can split that pie. Are they talking about that? Well, no, they're not. And I think this will be the separation. I don't think this lease will, uh, you know, they've been tied together since 1960, whatever, what, 68, 69, whatever they passed this, 72, I think was when uh, the baseball stadium opened, the football stadium the next year. You know, it, it, it can't work because baseball stadiums are significantly cheaper than football stadiums. I mean, hanging concrete in the air is what costs the money, and football stadiums go all the way around. Obviously, baseball stadiums are only, you know, a third uh, of it that's actually up in the air as they dig down more and want more lower-level seats. So it's it's a, a vastly different expenditure that goes into it. And, you know, right now there's a fight between going downtown. And this is the thing is back in 2005 or six when they did their renovations on college, Hoffman and Arrowhead, uh, there was a large portion of the population that wanted downtown baseball. They were the only team that had, uh, you know, a strong portion of their fan base that were ready to, to go downtown and would pay for downtown, and they didn't do it. Uh, it said the Glass family was worried about how they would recoup the parking, uh, what they would make parking, because there wouldn't be just one parking lot that you had to go through and pay them. And so they pushed for renovations. That's ultimately what happened. But there's always been a, a strong part of the community that's been to different ballparks that are downtown, be it Denver or Cleveland or St. Louis, and seen what that is, and they aspire to have that. The problem is that we're almost like, is that the end of the lifespan? Because now Atlanta and Milwaukee, they've been built back out in the suburbs and are having great success there. So you almost wonder, did Kansas City spin its wheels and miss the opportunity to take advantage of that? In the downtown of Kansas City it has been growing and people, you know, more and more people have been going back to live down there, which is something that, you know, never happened 25 years ago. And now there's a, a lot of people that are moving back there, a lot of uh, condos and apartments that are uh, going up downtown. And so they feel like now would be the time to go do that. The problem problem is uh, Kansas City, Missouri is not giving them everything they want, and North Kansas City, which is right across the river, uh, which can see downtown but is not in downtown, has jumped into the mix. So now there's, you know, there's always been this perception that the Royals were going to go downtown with the next building. That's what John Sherman wanted. Part of his ownership group owns some of the land down there. It was thought that that's going to be what it was. But now there's, uh, you know, a fight as to where it's going to end up being because Kansas City, Missouri is not just uh, giving a blank check uh, to uh, to the Royals. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Um, let me ask you about Frank Clark. Uh, we're just getting to know him out here. I think we're going to love him from a media standpoint. Did you love him when he was out there? Absolutely. One of my favorite uh, guys to interview. I really wish, you know, and, and look, the one thing I can say, everybody will always have a positive, uh, not, not on all his off the field, obviously having weapons charges in Los Angeles, two of them uh, being suspended to start last year. I, I don't think you can overlook that and just breeze past it. Hopefully he has gotten past that, uh, and, and, you know, that won't be a problem moving forward. But Frank Clark, the quote, Frank Clark, the guy, uh, not going to find uh, any better. I mean, uh, talking to him, he was absolutely outstanding. He gives you thoughtful 
real answers. Uh, he gives you unique answers. You're getting his real personality. It's not a prepackaged, you know, he, he, coach speak that's coming at you. So Frank Clark and the media, absolutely the best. Uh, I remember him, Todd Lebo down at the uh, Super Bowl back in 2019. They, they started to shut off all the media. You know, they got everybody on their little podiums and everything. And Todd was asking him, and he covers the Chiefs for us, was asking him questions. And they tried to shut Todd down. And Frank said, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is my dog here. This is my dog. What do you got? What do you got? And let Todd, you know, ask like two or three more questions before he left. I mean, little things. It wasn't that big a deal. But just he is a thoughtful guy. He is a smart guy. His answers are genuine. His production in the regular season is not amazing, but he is the Chiefs' all-time sack leader in the postseason. Now, part of that's the opportunity to play on good teams, but he produces uh, in the postseason. And if there's a guy that I would root for uh, for against anybody but the Chiefs, uh, and certainly probably wearing anything but Broncos colors, <laughs> but uh, I will still root for Frank Clark because uh, yeah, I think he is a, a guy that uh, the town will, will really enjoy having. All right, funny you should say that, the the comment about uh, anything but Broncos colors, so to speak, because that would indicate there's a little bit of a rivalry there, right? Oh, like, uh, you know, as a, a case, you know, Kansas Cityan, maybe you don't like the Broncos so much, and then maybe Broncos fans don't like the Chiefs. But when asked about, he was asked to comment about the Broncos-Chiefs rivalry yesterday, Frank Clark said, dude, there's no rivalry. They've won 15 in a row. Like, it's not competitive. Um, I thought it was good. I thought I liked the comment, but he's probably true. Right. Isn't he? Yeah. I mean, I think especially if you're a younger football fan, if you're, you know, lower twenties, then for the most part, your cognitive memory of this is the chiefs dominating. If you're old, which I think you started this conversation out by pointing out that I'm old, uh, <laughs> you've been around and you remember when Peyton Manning and the Broncos were dominating the Kansas city chiefs. I went there and watched Brody Croyle start against the Denver Broncos and just get waxed uh, there at, uh, at, at, what is it, whatever it was called, mile high, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, so, I uh, listen, it, it comes and goes. It's cyclical early on when these two teams were in the AFL, the Chiefs dominated, but it's gone back and forth. Right now, the Chiefs have had the upper hand. They've had the better quarterback. They've had the better coach. Uh, the coaching got better. Uh, we'll see if the coaching makes the quarterback better. I think there is a feeling here. Uh, Adam Teicher, who covers the uh, Chiefs for ESPN, and I were talking on Friday, and, and he said, I think this is the year that the Broncos finally end that streak. And so, uh, listen, they've had some close calls. Both games last year were closer than they should have been based upon what the records were. Uh, it, is a, it is a rivalry from that standpoint. Everyone in your division is a rivalry. But, yes, Chiefs fans are quite happy dominating it and, uh, and, and adding up that win streak. Yeah, so I don't know if you saw the comments, but I'll I'll let you comment if you you know I'll kind of re, re, restate them. But Sean Payton came out and said, told Jarrett Bell, um, one, I expect to make the playoffs, so so presumably that might include some wins, a win or two over the Chiefs. And then he really threw, um, you know, the GM and the president of the team, his own team, under the bus, and uh, Coach Hackett under the bus. Did you hear those comments? And what do you think? Oh, I did. Um, and, you know, I, it's, I guess it's the Bill Parcells way. I think guys like Sean Payton and Todd Haley, uh, you, who are, are Bill Parcells' disciples, you know, take that, that braggadocious and, and outlandish uh, kind of approach and confident approach, and I think it works to a degree with their players, but I think they will, you know, sometimes forget when to turn it off uh, when it comes to other teams. I mean, you know, to me, the worst part was when he tried to apologize and didn't apologize. Right. Uh, he basically had an apology to his players for creating a distraction, but made no apologies to Nathaniel Hackett. Now, 
Listen, I can't remember if it was you, Dan, or, or somebody else in Denver. Um, I was talking to right after the first game, and I said, well, Nathaniel Hackett's done, right? You have to fire him. You did and everybody, that. they couldn't believe that I would say that. I'm like, listen, if an admiral leaves San Diego with a fleet and he turns his battleship and, and fires into his aircraft carrier and sinks his aircraft carrier, you don't get another fleet to take out. Like, that's baseline incompetence. And so he's not wrong. Everything he said was true. So to me, either you're going to be the guy that creates the distractions for the other teams by, you know, taking shots and doing that, or or you're going to be the guy that plays it close to the vest. You don't get to do both. You don't get to take the shots and then try to walk it back. And he didn't even do a good job of walking it back. So, look, Sean Payton can coach. There's no doubt about it. Um, I, I've had a couple of conversations with him at the American Century Championships in, in Lake Tahoe when he was the Saints coach. I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, but, but now he's got to back it up. I mean, you don't, you don't get to walk back away from those things. Uh, and I, I think it would have been better if you're going to say it than own it. Uh, then this non-apology that you're going to, I guess, get to when you think the time is right. I, I thought that was that was the most pathetic part of the equation. <laughs> it was very interesting. Um, he's also fascinating because he's he likes to kind of pop off to the media, but he's also very paranoid of the media. Like he's he's has all these policies. Like, all right, well, I have to let you in at certain times, um, but you're not allowed to talk about anything you see unless you know. And he, oh, he's he's he's. I don't know, he's restricted where the media can go. Now, it's, it's very, very weird and paranoid, but he also seems to like to talk to the media. I don't know. It's, it's very odd, uh, Seren. Yeah, and, and, and again, that, that fits with kind of how Todd Haley was, and I think that's kind of a Bill Parcells thing. I mean, I think that's the mentor of those guys and, and, and what they want to do. Andy Reid is, is quite paranoid as well. You know, it's, as you sit and practice, like, okay, cameras are up. We've got 10 minutes, and they can film. And, all right, cameras are down. All right, cameras are up. we got five minutes. You know, cameras are down. They have all these things, that, you know, all these different rules at training camp of when the people can be filming, never mind the fact that fans are all around watching. And any team that wanted to could simply have a guy sitting in the stands with an iPhone recording everything. Um, but they have all these rules for the media. So it's somewhat a power trip. Um, it, it's somewhat, I think, built up from scars that coaches have from, from being ridiculed and sometimes rightfully so for mistakes that they've made in the past, sometimes unjustly. Uh, it's a little game that we play, and I, and I think Sean Payton probably plays it a little more than most. All right, last thing for you, something fun uh, we've enjoyed in the offseason. I think it was a nice thing just to kind of you know, get us through that last little stretch before um, training camps opened. The quarterbacks documentary. I know you must have talked about it a lot with um, your QB1 being on there. What was with your reaction with Patrick Mahomes and, and Brittany Mahomes and all that stuff? Yeah, you know, I thought, uh, number one, I thought it was quite entertaining. Uh, you know, I have, I have two daughters, and, and for my, and my wife uh, is not a sports fan, and they were uh, interested in it. We sat down and watched each episode. Now they're 13 and 16. There's some colorful language. Uh, you know, that's, that's in there. So if you haven't watched it and you've got a six year old, I wouldn't sit down. Some people have complained about that. Pat's, uh, got, you got a couple of, uh, choice words from time to time that's in there. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was, I thought the first couple of shows, it looked like one, his family is always a uh, lightning rod, not so much in town where nobody wants to do anything to ever tread negatively towards the superstar quarterback. But every time I go on someplace else, I usually get asked about his family, whether it's his wife or his brother. Uh, and, and I thought they did. One, his brother's noticeably, he's in there, but he's never never says anything, right? You see him, but you don't hear anything from him. Uh, and then I thought the first couple episodes uh, were, were really good for, for uh, Brittany. 
because it really showed her to be truly a mom and a wife and, and that she's more than just somebody who gets too excited, I think, on, on Instagram and social media and that kind of thing. As it went on, you know, you got to see their life a little bit more and, and see how she acted. And she had a couple of choice words that, you know, I, I kind of rubbed some people the wrong way. But, you know, I, I thought it was good to kind of see how hard he works. That's one of the things that I think comes with it. He's certainly, he's an amazingly gifted and talented player. But to the workouts that he does to strengthen his core, to strengthen his, you know, his ability to, to rotate and throw the football the way he does, I, I thought was, was very interesting for me. And then just how competitive he is on the field. I mean, we've always felt like, you know, he was up there. I think most of Kansas City would have told you he's the most competitive player in professional sports since Michael Jordan. I think mean, Kansas City at least came away saying he's as competitive or more competitive uh, than Michael Jordan. When you see him go nose to nose with Max Crosby and, and the way he barks at guys. So uh, I found it wildly entertaining. Uh, I thought Kirk Cousins, seeing what he's all about, was entertaining. Marcus Mariota's not in there much, but uh, I, I thought Mahomes and Cousins were quite entertaining. And yes, in Kansas City, if you haven't seen all eight episodes by now, you'll be driven out of town and, and left uh, on, you know, the outskirts of I-70. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Seren Petro uh, from WHB in Kansas City. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. You're the man. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right, we'll talk to uh, you. want to react to Seren Petro from the Is this a rivalry? Do the Broncos have a rival? I was I was asking that yesterday. If the Chiefs aren't your rival, uh, if you have to be competitive, given the state of the Broncos, do they even have a rival anymore? Let's talk about it coming up next. Judge, jury, executioner. Okay, that got really darn fast. Now back to his honor, Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan. Coming back with like down the middle. Ah! Oh man, we're trying to be happy here on this easy like Sunday morning, Sydney. Um, I, I, there's something I do want to react to with Seren Petro. I'm going to do that on the other side. I'm going to give you guys your chance to react now because we only got a couple minutes. Uh, this texter says Broncos fans are very spoiled. The Chiefs are an NFL wasteland for about 20 years. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, I lived out there and when I was, I had, you know, carpooled. So I lived just outside of Kansas City and Washburn Law is in Topeka. And so we had to drive every day. I was telling the story yesterday. You know, my, my buddy Chris, who's a, um, Mizzou grad and he hates the Jayhawks so much. We had to drive around the city of Lawrence, the town of Lawrence to get away from, he would not, you know, he, he hated the Jayhawks so much. We had to drive around it. Um, now, the nice thing is we actually had, I can't tell you how we had this. You know, in Monopoly, um, they have, there's a get out of jail free card. We actually had this, I can't, and again, I can't divulge how I had this, an immunity card. Like, we we were immune from speeding tickets. Um, so that was pretty awesome. Um, but he was just, he would just lament the fact that, we just, you know, the, the, the Chiefs were so terrible for so, so long, man. Um, he just, you know, he was despondent over it. So um, let's see here. Dan, just out of curiosity, what percentage of the Rockies' attendance would you guess just walk to the ballpark from their place of work or residence? Man, your guess is it's a great question. Your guess is as good as mine. Um, I had some friends, the Allianstead. 
when they got a little bit older, um, all the kids were gone. They, I don't think they still live down there. Maybe they do. They had a great, um, what do they call those, flats? Um, or the studio, a big giant studio apartment um, down uh, down there. And they did that. And, you know, it's a great life. You know, just walked. They just walked everything. Um, but I don't know. I'd be interested to know what people thought on that. I mean, it's fun. It's great. Um, but I don't know on that. Um, Broncos' biggest rival right now is the Nuggets. Stephen Frederick, rival for attention. Yeah. You want to say that? For the affection of the uh, people, the city, people, the city of Denver. I I do. There was something fascinating um, that uh, Seren Petra was talking about. So let's. I want. I want to get to that on the other side of the equation. And then yeah, I also want to talk about. I, I felt like I went to summer camp the other day. We'll talk about that coming up on the next hour of the Dan Jacobs Show.